Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your goodness and love for all of us. Thank you for this group of believers, their faith and love for you. And uh, we just ask, Lord, that you'll do whatever you want with this time with these brethren today. That you'll really be speaking in hearts as you want to do. Uh, just lead and guide Linda and I as we speak and explain these things to these dear brethren in you. In Jesus' name, amen. In 1994, we went to Moscow and started working on the language. Took a, a school year of language learning. And during that time, we checked out where the Lord would have us go. And then that following year, we went down south by the Caspian Sea to the province called Dagestan. And uh, it's really uh, a Middle Eastern culture. It's an Islamic area. And the Lord led us there. And uh, Linda and I were, were teachers and uh, plugged into teaching opportunities of, of English at a university and other places. And, and the Lord was bringing people to himself. We were with uh, a little team of people. And it was just really marvelous. The, the years uh, passed, and um, we began going to uh, an orphanage. And every Wednesday afternoon, we would go and ha have a little PE session for, for the kids there, and then uh, a little session of basketball. Well, so November 11th, um, this is in the capital city of Dagestan called Mahachkala. November 11th, uh, 1998 rolls around. And uh, it's about 4 p.m. and, and I'm uh, leaving the, the orphanage. By that time, it's starting to get dark and I'm with a 13-year-old boy in our church called Alka. And we're just talking about the things of the Lord and so forth, just enjoying ourselves. And uh, I don't know, maybe about 100 yards away from the orphanage, this big car pulls up and uh, a guy hops out and in front of me and he flashes what I thought was a police badge right, right there. I was taken totally unawares and he began wrestling with me, working uh, to uh, get me into the car and he, he couldn't get it done alone so, so his buddy jumped out and both of them wrestled with me and they picked up my legs and jammed me into the car and that started seven and a half months with jihadis, 231 days. The usual way we learn of God's attributes and, and qualities, of course, is through the, the Word of God, the, the, the Scriptures. But God gave me and my wife th this experience to kind of give us a, a waterfall experience of His goodness, His grace, His power, His glory, His victory, His, his mercy, and many more things, all in, in that seven-and-a-half-month experience. The, the men who took me were uh, jihadis. They were extremists, and they were taking a lot of people off the streets in those days, uh, unbeknownst to most people in the world, actually. But they had two goals for everyone they, they captured. One was to convert that person to jihad Islam, holy war Islam, not just the normal Islam, but holy war Islam. They tried to have their prisoners become like, like they were. And they would try to 
uh, obtain as much money as they could for jihad, for a holy war, from the prisoner's people. And they tried both things with me. For the most part, I was held, uh, they, they took over this uh, school and uh, made it uh, a military-type base. They were really paramilitaries, and I, I was held, for the most part, most of those seven and a half months, in a little washroom about two yards by three yards. And uh, there was nothing in it but, but broken things, no, no electricity, um, uh, no running water. Um, I experienced a lot of kicking and hitting, and three times during those months, uh, uh, a pistol to my face. Uh, one time, uh, a knife uh, to my uh, neck. Another time, a hand on my throat. And so I knew I was in deep trouble. And a verse came to my mind, uh, Psalm 44.4, which says, Command victories for Jacob. And I felt like a little Jacob, if, if you know the story of Jacob. He had a brother, Esau, that didn't like him uh, for a while and wanted to kill him. And um, that's what these, these guys were like. And uh, I kind of thought of that little washroom as my ark, a little uh, like, like Noah's ark and death and destruction and darkness were all around as these uh, jihad guys were working and doing, doing their thing, and I was inside, and it was incredible. For a lot, most of that time, actually, there was unbelievable peace with the presence of God in that little, little room. I needed four victories. The verse says, command victories for Jacob. The first victory I needed was for God not to allow them to cut my hand off. Um, the weeks, I, I got taken in the middle of November, the weeks rolled by, and uh, still no money was, was forthcoming, so the situation became uh, rather desperate, and they began a three-week campaign to uh, chop my hand off. And I would hear a group of them go past my front door down to where someplace was, maybe a, a kitchen, get the things ready to do that. And another group would go, get in their face and argue with them that day and not let them do that that day. And then the second day, the same thing would happen. And then the third day, the same thing. So I'm listening to this every day, and on the eighth day, the door opens. I'm sitting there, and I think my hand is gone. There's really no nothing I can do. And uh, uh, they pick me up, take me to a room, actually almost this size with a very similar type of, of carpet. And I, I step to the center, sit down, and put my hand out. Nothing I could do. And they pick me up, walk me back, put me back in my room. I think they were just checking me out. And that was the eighth day. Then the ninth day, same thing. Walking by, big argument. Tenth day, eleventh day, twelfth day, thirteenth day, the door opens once more and once more. I think my hand is gone. 
This time, the, my main negotiator, uh, who usually was the one talking to me, uh, saved my hand that day. That was the 13th day, 14th day, 15th day, 16th day, about three weeks. And they could not get it done. God was in there fighting for me. And so that was, that was the first victory. The second victory I needed was for God um, to not allow them to cart me off to the killing camp in the mountains of Chesnia for the last years, maybe still. There uh, was a village that had an area where they would bury people who didn't come up with the money. And uh, they threatened to take me there if I didn't come up with the cash. They showed me an Islamic newspaper with uh, two inch, four two inch pictures of heads of guys they had beheaded. They were a British guy and uh, New Zealanders that uh, they just wanted to make a statement. So I discovered in the, the first days and weeks of, of that time that two groups formed, two factions of those, this group of young men jihadis. One I call the, the doves and one, the hawks. The doves wanted to save me for the sake of the money. They were demanding a, a lot of money, and they thought that would help their cause, so they really worked on, on saving my skin. The hawks didn't care about the money. They were purists. They, they wanted the American Christian missionary dead at whatever cost. They did not care about the money. So they were at each other all the time, debating and ta talking about me. Why or why not to kill me? How and to kill me? This and that. Hours upon end, maybe 18 hours a day, and I, I had to listen to all that. During the last three months, it was really the worst in that I would hear umpteen cars, vehicles, come to collect my body and, and take it up to the killing camp. I don't know, something like, it seemed like 80 to 90 cars a day, three months. And uh, the doves by that time had gotten to know m my life somewhat and so forth, and they would say whatever they could to kind of stave these guys off. They would say, uh, oh, you don't want to kill a guy who has children, do you? Or you don't want to kill a a man who has grandchildren, do you? And uh, the, the driver would drive off without me. Uh, so one of them actually said uh, to one of these drivers, oh, you don't want to kill a man who weeps, do you? And the story on that is, by that time, I had been on the mission field 22 years, doing a lot of work, uh, trying to really work for God and serve Him and so forth. And, mm, but I was a very busy person. So that was one of the reasons why God put me in that little spot and just made me be still. There's nothing else I, I could do. And uh, as I got to thinking about my life, uh, even as a servant of the Lord, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, began showing all sorts of sin patterns he was not happy with. Why? 
because he's the Holy Spirit. Lack of prayer, lack of kindness, lack of consideration, uh, lack of faith. Uh, the one that really got me was lack of love, especially towards my sister. To this day, I have a sister about my same age, not a believer. And many years ago, we had a falling out. She wanted to follow the world. I wanted to follow the Lord. And we we've lived our lives very separately, but too much so. I didn't really show her the love of the Lord like I should have all these years. And that really got to me. And so I started for that reason, and for the reason I was thinking of what my death would do to my my wife and kids, that I felt like they were like little sheep, and they would be all slashed up and bloodied up had I died. So those were grievous thoughts, right? And so I started weeping big time. And, and also I, I realized that, you know, in the Old Testament, we have the weeping prophet, Jeremiah, weeping for his people. They were so stubborn and so sinful. He saw destruction coming and they wouldn't listen. In the New Testament, we have Christ weeping over stubborn, rebellious Jerusalem. Same, same thing. But did I have that kind of heart? So as I would think about these things, the tears would just flood, come, day after day after day after day. So I would, I would hear these guys with their hunting knives and their AK, AK-47s walk by my door and stop and just listen to this weeping going on. It was something really different for them to experience. But that was, uh, that was the second victory. No carting to the killing camp. The third victory I needed was the money issue. They were demanding from the first day until the day I got out, three and a half million. And somehow the Lord pulled that off with no or next to no ransom. Uh, maybe a little was paid. They were thinking big money came and big money did not come and, and I, was, I was released. So that was a real victory. The fourth victory I needed, if, if the Lord willed, would be my release. I knew it would be better to die and, and go to heaven, just like Paul wrote, you know. For me to live is Christ and to die is what? Gain, it's better, it's glorious, it's paradise. I knew it was better. But if he willed, it would be good if I could hang around on, on the earth a little more and keep on serving him and keep on working if he worked it that way. So uh, I thought of, during those months, for some reason I thought a lot about Old Testament passages. And I thought about different men in the Old Testament like Hezekiah and Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, Jeremiah, himself, and others who God saved from the, the brink of death, and that God could do that if he wanted to, being the same God. And it happened, God, I did get the release.
On April 12th, see, they take me November 11th, the months roll around, and it becomes April 12th. Cap, I call him Cap for Captor, this, this uh, Chechen guy. They held me, they are holding me in Chechnya, uh, which is just to the, the west uh, of Dagestan. And um, Cap said, you know why we're going to take this finger? No, why? Because you don't say uh, Allah, there's only one God, and his name is Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. You don't say that, so you're going to lose that finger. Nothing I could do. So that day they did, they did take the, the finger. Um, as you can imagine, I had to really fight off thoughts of terror. Uh, I had a kind of a recurring vision of me on a, on a slippery slope with gravel, and there was a, a precipice right here, and I, I would be sl- slipping over, and I had to really fight thoughts like that to, to uh, keep sane. And without the Word of God in my head, it, it would have been too hard. I'll give you a few verses that really help me out. Jeremiah thirty-two twenty-seven. Behold, I am the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? God asked. Well, of course not. It wasn't too hard. It wouldn't be too hard for God to get, get me out of there if he wanted to. Jeremiah 33, 3. And call unto me, and I will show you great and mighty things. And that's what I did. I really wanted out of there if he would will it so. So I, I called on him. Second Chronicles 69. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. So I tried to make my heart just right with him so he could strongly support me right out of there. Second Chronicles 20, 22. And when they began singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so they were routed. This huge allied army comes against little Judah. Judah doesn't even have weapons at the time. And God says to march and praise and sing, and he would wipe out those forces, and he did. So I knew he was the same God. He could do the same type of thing for me. In the New Testament, in Matthew, at least twice it's written where the Lord had to rebuke his his men. You have such little faith. You have little faith. And we know the story of uh, the boat in the Sea of Galilee and the, the black choppy waters and that's how these guys' hearts were. Just like choppy dark waters that wanted to take me down. Well, Peter sees the Lord walking on the water and being Peter, he jumps out and starts walking towards the Lord. As he was focusing on the Lord, a wonderful thing was happening. A miracle was happening, of course. You know, have you read elsewhere where someone else besides Peter and the Lord have done that? No. I mean, a great thing was happening as he was focusing on the Lord. Of course, he got his focus off the Lord and onto the wind and the waves and sank. Same thing happened to me. I sank. Uh, the argument outside my door had gone very bad, 
I was sure they were going to haul me off to the camp. I had been trying to sing and praise the Lord kind of under my breath and keep my spirits up, and it seemed all over, so I, I gave up. Woke up about four in the morning, and everything was peaceful and still, like the peaceful, still Sea of Galilee. And it was as if I could hear the Lord say, you really have such little faith. After the whole experience, uh, we, we were thinking, what were some of the reasons and lessons God had for the whole thing to happen? So I'll give you a, a little rundown. Sweep. God was doing, he wanted to do a, a clean sweep in my life so I could share it with others, not only for us, but for the, the, the good of others, hopefully. The first is suffering, Philippians 1.29. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Okay, so we are given in Christ unbelievable benefits and privileges. True? We can't even count them all. We're we're drowning in privileges and blessings. But one of the biggest blessings is actually to suffer for him. That's part of the package which we in America need to hear and get a grip, grip of. So the Lord let me, let me go through that. Show. He was showing his power, compassion, good, goodness, victory, not, not just having it in a, in a book. He was showing that, that to me. It was exciting. Witness. We were very busy there in Dagestan. I mean, it was really an exciting area. 34 unreached people groups that could be reached with Russian because they they spoke Russian also. So we were really busy and God knew we could not reach the Chechens. We were too busy and they weren't even in Dagestan for the most part. There were a few, but mostly they were in Chechnya. So we couldn't do anything about them. And in that sense, it was okay. But in the sense of we didn't, every noon we had a little prayer meeting praying for people, but we didn't bother to think or pray for, right next door, the Chechens. And so what did God do? So he took this little Jonah from Mahachkala on one side of the province, transferred me over and plopped me right in the middle of Chechen holy warriors because he was thinking about them and loving them when we were not. And that's the difference between God's love and man's love. Weak. The Lord told Paul, my power is made perfect in weakness. I'm weaker, more clumsy now with this hand. Good. I have to depend on on the Lord more. And the commander-in-chief of the universe and of the holy war going on, the spiritual war, throughout the world was stopping that battle as such with the missionary forces and pulling them out and putting us elsewhere. All the missionaries of that area had to leave. And so God redeployed us in other places. Example, those jihadis are willing to die at the drop of a hat. They needed to see a Christian being willing also. And the young church that we were involved in, 
they needed to see that also because they may have to pay, pay that price in, in that area. Pruning. God was really showing me all those sin patterns, and it was good. It, it wasn't a downtime as such, except uh, there, were, uh, there was a lot of repentance and tears for all those sins and sin patterns that I knew he wasn't pleased with, but it was actually a time of revival. And uh, one night was very, very bad. Later, later on, closer to the time when I, I was released, and uh, I thought I only had a, basically a few seconds to get ready to get hauled off. So as quick as I could, I, I lit my little candle, and, and I had an old coat with uh, silk lining, and I, I ripped out, and my thinking was I'd rip out some lining, so in case I went up to the killing camp and they beat on me a little bit, I'd, I'd have some bandages. So I put those in my pocket, put the uh, matches in my pocket, and, and then the candle, and just waited. And they didn't come that night. And then the next night, they didn't come either. And each day, God kept them away until I was released. This is that candle. And as I was laying there and sitting there, it just flattened out. And as I pondered it afterwards, I realized that's what God was trying to do with me. Just flatten that ego and self and sin that gets the way in the way of his work. 